It's a fact that you're most likely to be murdered by someone you know, and that person, in almost every case, will have a motive to kill you. They'll have thought about it for some time, become emotionally attached to the idea. When they think of you, they think of killing you, and in a lot of cases, these are the things that get killers caught. Their connection to you and their desire to end your life. When the evidence is uncovered, it will be glaringly obvious, and without a doubt, that person will face strict judgment. And despite the emotional wounds left behind by your killer, justice will be considered served. Well, that's the best we can hope for, but that's not always how it goes, is it? In this episode, we cover the unsolved case of Scott Guy, a New Zealand farmer who was brutally murdered. But is the case truly unsolved? I'll let you be the judge. It was a murder that shocked us all. Scott Guy, a young farmer, gunned down in his driveway. It was approaching 5 a.m. the morning of July 8, 2010 in Fielding, New Zealand, a town so beautiful that it's won the award for New Zealand's most beautiful town over 15 times. It seemed to be a typical July day as 31-year-old Scott Guy, who had already gotten a start on the day, got into his utility vehicle, called a ute, and fired it up, his headlights igniting the way ahead through the darkness of the morning. Scott was working on his family's farm, a vast dairy farm, a routine that he had gone through for many years, as the farm was such a central part of Scott's rural life. Scott was confused, however, as he drove towards the gates of the farm. The gates of the farm were closed. They were ordinarily left open, regardless of the time. He'd surely remembered that they had been left open. The family had owned the farm for decades and hadn't experienced any reason to close them. But either way, the mystery of the matter overall was a small one. But Scott obviously had to open the gate to get through. What happened thereafter has been the matter of some speculation, with a number of different sources claiming a number of different things. What's known is that Scott was forced to step out of the vehicle to open the gates. What Scott was unaware of was that the gates were purposely closed for this very reason, to force Scott out of the vehicle and leave him vulnerable and exposed. It was a trap. And once Scott went to open the gates, shots rang out in the darkness. Before he knew what was going on, he was dead having been shot in the throat and face, with some sources saying the arm as well, all at close range with a shotgun. The killer fled into the darkness, leaving distinctive wavy boot impressions in his wake. For around two hours, Scott's body lie on its back, blood covering much of the ground around him. That's when one of the neighbors drove up and witnessed the harrowing scene and immediately contacted the authorities. There were no strong clues or leads. How did you feel about your own safety? 
terrified, absolutely terrified. Who's done this? How? Why? Who could do this to someone? Scott Guy had grown up on his family's dairy farm. He and his three siblings, his brother Callum and two sisters, Nikki and Anna. Scott always had a desire to be a cowboy growing up. The whole idea of a cowboy life was thrilling to him, but this wasn't a typical childhood fantasy that dissipates with age and life's experiences. It stuck with him, even to the point that when Scott was older, he left for Australia to work on a farm, rounding up cattle on horseback. He was living his dream. A man by the name of Ewan MacDonald had been working for the Guy family farm. He had worked there for years, ever since he was 16. He had moved up the ranks and ended up managing the farm's dairy operations. Scott returned home in 2003 to be put in charge of calf rearing and growing the crops that fed the cows. The two managed the farm together, and each made around a healthy $100,000 per year. To the outside observer, they seemed to get along well, but not everything was as it seemed. Truth be told, the two had something of a rivalry, and it was anything but innocuous. Ewan grew somewhat close to the family and ended up even marrying Scott's sister Anna, having four children with her. What likely didn't help in portraying any animosity between Scott and Ewan was that Scott served as best man at Ewan's wedding. In 2005, Scott had met the love of his own life, Kylie Bullock, and the two got married. They had a son named Hunter together, and Kylie was pregnant with their next son, Drover, in July of 2010, when the soon-to-be proud father of two was mercilessly gunned down at the end of his driveway, and the hope and love for being a father a second time was snuffed out, as Kylie turned from wife to widow in seconds. I just kept thinking this is not real. To be honest, the, probably the first five days, no, this is not real. Scott's not gone. This is nothing. No, I couldn't. Yeah, I just couldn't. It. Naturally, the Guy family farm had seen workers come and go over the years. One such worker was a young man named Callum Bow, who Ewan McDonald had a particular connection with. The two would spend a lot of time together, off doing all manner of things. But exactly what those things were came to light during the investigation. This will factor in later. As for the Guy family, they were seen by the fielding community as a well-to-do, happy family. Members of the community were caught up in thinking that the family had no problems whatsoever, but the truth of the matter is that every family has its problems. When Scott was found dead at the end of the driveway and police began to tear the Guy family's life open to search for answers, the community took a particular interest. They never believed anything like this would happen, not only in their community, but to the Guy family. It was unthinkable. Scott Guy's parents, Brian and Joe, were the owners of the farm, and it was originally owned by Brian's father, Graham who was still alive at the time of Scott's murder, but sadly died just three months later. There was tension in the family, however, regarding ownership of the farm. Family members had shares of ownership, and so did Ewan MacDonald. Scott, the oldest son of the Guy children, expected to inherit the farm. 
and said so at a family meeting in 2008. Scott's parents rejected this idea, however. With so many people having shares in the farm, they told Scott that he would have to buy everyone else out. This bred animosity between Scott and Ewan, who already dealt with resentment in their relationship. Ewan didn't believe that Scott pulled his weight around the farm and did far less work for relatively the same money. Ewan also saw Scott as disorganized and criticized him for it. Scott allegedly wasn't pleased when Ewan moved his wife and children onto the farm's property to live either. In May of 2008, Scott's parents transferred 400 shares equal to 20% of the business to Scott and his wife Kylie, as well as Ewan and his wife Anna. But overall, it seemed that tensions were settling down and everyone was getting along, perhaps having resolved their differences. It was a hopeful time. In June of 2010, Scott and Ewan had even taken a trip together to a dairying conference. When they got back, they claimed to have had a fantastic time. But was this the truth, or were they just playing nice to ease family concerns? Two weeks after that conference, Scott was murdered. When the neighbor had come across his body, he had phoned police and then phoned his landlord, who hurried over. The landlord looked at the body and called Ewan. Police and Ewan both arrived at the scene before 7.30 a.m., and Ewan, sounding frantic and distraught, called Scott's father, Brian, as quickly as he could. Brian could barely understand what Ewan was trying to say at first because he sounded so incoherent, but the message eventually came through, and Brian's heart sunk to its lowest point. Police scoured the scene for evidence and inspected the farm. Aside from Scott's brutal murder, the only other strange thing that might have hinted towards who committed the horrific crime was the fact that three chocolate Labrador Retriever puppies who had been secured in a cowshed on the farm and were being sold were now missing. They couldn't have escaped on their own, however. They had to have been taken, but no one in the family or involved with the family had any idea. Police began digging up whatever they could find as they collected evidence. They came across some interesting information involving the checkered past of Ewan McDonald and the farmhand Callum Bow. The two had an affinity for getting together at night on occasion throughout the years and infiltrating the property of other farmers. In one particular instance at the end of December in 2006, Ewan and Callum had trespassed on the property of Craig Hawken, a successful deer farmer who produces velvet obtained from antlers and as such doesn't kill his livestock. Craig had 16 stags and an enclosure he could view from his house. Upon checking on them this particular night, he noticed that they were all grouped together as if something had spooked them. When he went outside to check, he noticed something wasn't right. There were only 14 stags in the enclosure. One of the stags Craig affectionately named Blue, who often kept to himself away from the other stags and stayed by the edge of the enclosure, was one of the two missing. Ewan McDonald and Callum Bow had poached the stags. Ewan cut off their heads and buried their bodies in a large hole he had dug in the back of the Guy family farm. This was far from the only time that Ewan and Callum had poached from other farmers' properties. In fact, they were caught red-handed eventually. The farmer who caught them had conditions to let bygones be bygones. They had to return the stag heads and apologize. 
It was a tremendously lenient offer that neither man deserved, but they went along with it. But being caught and forced to apologize enraged Ewan, and at a later date, at night, he returned to the farmer's property and in a fit of rage beat to death one of the calves. Not satisfied with his blood still boiling, he went on to beat another one to death, and that still didn't sate his wrath. He beat another to death, then another, then another. All in all, he beat to death 19 calves that night before he decided he was done, likely not because he was satisfied with his revenge, but because of physical exhaustion. He also went on to sabotage a large milk vat, causing it to empty out thousands of dollars worth of milk all over the ground. The night hunts Ewan and Callum went on, which they called missions, went on for years. It seemed they both, but especially Ewan, who was a decade older than Callum, took joy in making things risky, and if they got caught, Ewan would have his revenge. It was as simple as that. Ewan prayed on the good temper and forgiving nature of the farmers to do whatever it was he wanted to do. Investigators in Scott Guy's murder ended up visiting Callum Bow, who came off as a very impressionable man. He had known the Guy family since he was a very young age and had a tragic past. At the age of seven, while driving with his father, an overloaded timber truck rolled onto their car and killed his father. Callum suffered severe injuries to his head, which caused permanent brain damage. A short time later, Callum's mother, who was distraught by the loss of her husband and the harm that befell her child, was diagnosed with cancer. She was dead before Callum's ninth birthday. After this time, he had met the Guy family and had grown very attached to them over the years. When Ewan came into the picture, he befriended Callum, and the two spent much time hunting together. But this evolved into the missions that caused headaches and heartaches for so many families all over the area. Callum told police that he and Ewan on one particular mission didn't go off to poach stags. They went to burn down an old building on the Guy family's property where Scott and his wife Kylie were to build their new home. This event perplexed the Guy family because they had no idea who had done it, who would do it. Scott and Kylie proceeded with building their new home, and Ewan, bitter and resentful of Scott, took Callum and they both smashed up the brand new house and then spray-painted it with graffiti. Kylie was particularly terrified and became understandably paranoid of who was committing these acts. They didn't know that the perpetrators were right there with them. Ewan's wife, Anna, when she heard this information, had no idea that these were the things Ewan was doing at night. She knew her husband's relationship with Callum was, as she considered it to be, immature, but never thought it reached the level of being criminal, especially against her own family. This information left her conflicted, angry, and confused regarding the man she had married and had four children with. Once the authorities investigating the murder of Scott Guy heard this, Ewan McDonald was arrested and questioned. Ewan lied when he was asked about his night missions, but when he found out that investigators had already spoken to Callum, he admitted his guilt. 
but he staunchly claimed that while he had made plenty of trouble, he wasn't a murderer, referring to whoever was as a psycho. Police weren't convinced and charged Ewan with the murder of Scott Guy, and what appeared to be an open and shut case went to trial. Ewan Kerry McDonald, Scott Guy's brother-in-law, charged with his murder. He denies any involvement in the killing. The judge presiding over the trial locked up the information regarding Ewan's night missions with Callum Bow, as he found that they could potentially make the jury see Ewan as guilty before even hearing the evidence, and he wouldn't release the information until the trial was concluded. The Crown of New Zealand gathered what evidence they had and made their case. They believed that when Scott Guy went to the meeting where he expected to gain ownership of the farm through inheritance, this, quote, might as well have been his death warrant. Ben Vanderkolk was the Crown prosecutor determined with making Ewan McDonald pay the price for Scott Guy's murder. The picture of events he painted is as follows. Ewan McDonald arrived at some point before Scott was to get into his vehicle and close the gate at the end of the driveway to force Scott out of his car so that he could shoot him. Ewan proceeded to shoot Scott at close range in the throat and in the face, and used the farm shotgun, a double-barrel shotgun, to do it. Ewan was wearing size 9 dive boots at the time of the murder, which left the distinctive boot impressions in the dirt at the scene of the murder. Ewan then rode a bicycle to another part of the farm, where he commenced with work, milking cows, shortly after 5am. Ewan at some point had taken the three puppies and killed them to make the murder look like a robbery and that whoever killed Scott did so in order to get the puppies and sell them off for their own profit. There were a few issues with this theory. Police had excavated certain areas of interest around the property that Ewan lived on, looking for evidence of anything. Ewan had a bad habit of burying evidence after his night missions, so it stood to reason that the same principle applied. And given the fact that Ewan only knew Callum told police all of this after he was arrested, he didn't have time to change the location of any of the evidence. Authorities excavated, hopefully, looking for the dead puppies, the boots, shotgun cartridges, anything, but to their dismay, found nothing. But based on Ewan's strained relationship with Scott and his malcontent, along with the accounts from witnesses, the Crown felt their case would be strong enough to take Ewan down for murder but they were up against a criminal defense attorney who was vicious in the courtroom and often had his way. His name was Greg King, and he was known to be a rather eccentric defender, often making what other legal professionals called wild-eyed closing arguments. He had gotten a number of people accused with murder off the hook and was sought after by anyone in their right mind who was in deep trouble with the law. He presented fatal flaws in the prosecution's case. The prosecution claimed that Scott was killed by two shots from the farm's double-barrel shotgun. However, four nearby residents all testified that they had heard three shots, all made in rapid succession at around 5 a.m. Greg King 
also called on witnesses who said they spotted Ewan at another area of the farm at 5 a.m., and that would have made it impossible for Ewan to have been at the crime scene. The flaw in the prosecution's claim of the murder weapon rested with timing in this regard. If it was a double-barrel shotgun that killed Scott Guy, there couldn't have been three shots like that. The shotgun only shot twice before needing to be reloaded, meaning there would have been a significant delay between the first two shots and the third. The expert witness suggested that the murder weapon was a semi-automatic weapon. Greg King also claimed that the police had ignored other evidence found in or around the scene. They hadn't investigated the tire marks at the scene, an unrecognized vehicle that had been parked on the road the farm was on, not far from the gate, and the fact that a local criminal, who had specifically committed crimes with a shotgun, including burglaries, was never questioned. A pack of cigarettes was also found outside of the house that matched one that had been apparently stolen by that specific burglar a short time before. Aside from this, there had also been a number of stolen shotguns reported in the area, stolen from multiple people. Another point to poke holes in the prosecution's case and raise doubt in the jury was a man who came looking for Scott, reeking of alcohol and cigarettes, at his home just a few days prior to the murder, who was unidentified. Then Greg King focused on the footprints left behind by the boots, of which over 50 were there next to Scott's body, some having filled with his blood. All of them came from size 9 dive boots, according to the forensic expert. But Greg King noted the 33 wavy rows on the plaster impressions that had been submitted as evidence and pointed out that this design was not compatible with size 9 in this particular boot but size 11 or 12. Ewan had size 9 boots, but his wife Anna confirmed that they had been thrown out two years prior. Overall, Greg King did his job. The prosecution's case fell apart due to the acumen of the defense and their own failures in investigating. Nothing that Ewan McDonald had ever said to you gave you cause to consider that he was linked to Scott Guy's murder, is that fair? Yes. But Ewan wasn't just free to leave. Now the legal system had their eyes on him for his night missions, where he committed all assortments of different crimes, crimes he had largely admitted to already. Ewan McDonald, at a later date, was sentenced to five years in prison for the lesser crimes. Anna Guy divorced Ewan and moved on the best she could, going on to have two more children with a new love of her life. Scott's family still lives with the weight of their son's death and the tremendous lack of justice, justice they still seek to this day. Scott's parents, Brian and Joe Guy, expected the family farm to continue on in their family for generations. They loved seeing their own children and their grandchildren raised on the farm, running around freely and playing in all the open space, but unable to deal with the emotional trauma from the murder of their son, which permeates their lives every day. They put their farm up for sale in 2015. 
Scott's wife Kylie gave birth to their son, and sometime later found love again with a new man, whom she has one child with. How would you describe the last 10 years? To be honest, hell. Hell? Yeah. Yeah. I still struggle with it. Ewan McDonald was released on parole on November 2nd, 2015, and has remained free to this day, and has remarried. As for Greg King, however, four months after the trial, he was found dead beside his car in Wellington, New Zealand. He had committed suicide. A note was found at the scene written by Greg King, which spoke of how horrible he felt. He was exhausted, unwell, depressed, and said he was haunted by the dead from his numerous homicide cases. He went on to say in the note that the trial he had been working on a week prior involved yet another terrible, unnecessary death and a lifestyle and community most New Zealanders would have no idea existed. Greg King's wife, Catherine, told the coroner that her husband had a severe mental breakdown the night after giving the closing arguments in Ewan McDonald's case. Greg King said that he hated himself for what he had done. There have been a number of theories as to who killed Scott Guy over the years, while many are still convinced that it was Ewan McDonald. We can only hope that the truth does somehow prevail, and that his family and loved ones are given the justice they've waited for, for so long. Thanks to all of you for your support. The Seriously Strange podcast is made possible due in part to contributions made by our listeners like you. So if you would like to keep the Seriously Strange podcast online and accessible, please consider pressing the link that says support the show in the description of any podcast episode. You can then choose your preferred way to donate and send a contribution our way because we can't do this without our listeners' support. If you decide to contribute, it's tremendously appreciated, and we thank you so much. We read every single message included with each contribution, so feel free to include your comments or even make a request for a future topic. Thanks for listening. We've got a lot more in store for you. Take care, and enjoy your next episode.